Broadcasting live to the world now. It's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Mindless minions. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end time watchwoman, Sheila Zelensky. Folks, today it's with a very heavy heart. Of course, as you know, I've been doing rebroadcasts this week, but I'm actually going to patch Pastor David Langford in to say a few words because of the fact that everybody has heard the court ruling on same-sex marriage that came down. And I know everybody has been emailing me and phoning, and we really are going to get Pastor Langford to sort of weigh in and also do a prayer before I cut to the rebroadcast. And of course, I'll be resuming Monday the 29th with the live shows. And of course, it's all there on my website. But let me patch in Pastor David Langford, Pastor Langford, thank you so much for joining us at this sort of late hour. Well, it's always a joy to be with you and your listeners and to uh, just share the word of the Lord. Pastor Langford, in light of what's come down today, I mean, it is absolutely stunning for the true ecclesia, the believers. We really had sort of felt in our heart that this might have turned out another way, but it's really quite stunning what's happened here today, isn't it? Well, my heart's desire was, you know, like most people, that the judges would adjudicate the matter and turn it back over to the states. But I've quoted Revelation 17, 17 for so many years. God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. And just as he hardened Pharaoh's heart, the people have hardened their hearts against God. And so I typed up a newsletter some weeks ago. I'm not going to release it till September. But the point is, we're on a head of collision course with God. Abraham said to God in Genesis 18:25, "Shall not the judge of all the earth do that which is right?" And, and, and what God is going to do is judge us. And regretfully, uh, we're on a head of collision course with God, and the judgment is going to be so severe, and it will cascade, and it will bring forth other events. It won't be just one event this time. It'll be multiple events. And uh, the church, the professing church, is going to find out that all this grace and love that's been preached, I said this week, it was too late when the rich man in hell began to pray. Yeah. He had done died. He went to his sentence, which was eternity lost without God. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, praying, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. Well, once the judgment falls, it'll be too late to pray. And so the Christians now... Uh, need to go into the secret place of the Most High and just abide there because there is a storm that's going to come. And uh, it's, God said, I'm going to shake heaven and earth. And they're not going to believe what God is going to do. But this is what happens when men have contempt and disrespect for God and do not believe God. That's why Jeremiah, Jeremiah 9, 1, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. There's going to be untold suffering encroach this nation because of the rebellion. And uh, we, just, we just need as believers to look to the Lord because the judgment is going to be very, very harsh and it will be multiple judgments, I believe. 
I agree with you. Pastor Langford, I know you have to run, and I know this was very short notice, but please, if you wouldn't mind leading us all into a solemn prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves today under your mighty hand. I know as well as you, Lord, our hearts too are grieved and broken because of the sin. And the United States Supreme Court justices, as they stamp same-sex marriage and have defiled this nation and defied your name. Father, I pray for mercy upon the righteous, because it is evident to me that the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. You were not incorporated in the adjudication of this circumstance and situation, because we have become a wicked people. Our leaders are wicked. So, Father, I pray today that your Holy Ghost would comfort and bring solace and placidity to the believer. Lord, we're distraught. As I said the other day, I'm not discouraged, I'm not depressed, but I am broken. I am broken because of what I know I'm going to witness in this land. And I just pray that you'll keep your people in the midst of judgment. You will protect all of us that are righteous, that are having our spiritual integrity intact, and that love you with all of our hearts. I know that you will be with us. I know that you will comfort us. But, Lord, you said in your word, we're not to be deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And in closing, Lord, you said in your word in Proverbs 29, verse 2, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And I know that mourning, lamentations, lamenting, brokenness is just over the horizon. But keep your people in the hollow of your hand, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Pastor Langford, thank you for that. I thank you for coming on to do that. It's always an honor to be able to approach the throne of grace to find mercy and help in the time of trouble. Thank you for that, Pastor Langford. Folks, we'll be back right after this short break. And then on the other side, I'm going to leave you with a part one and two of a sermon from Pastor Langford that I really enjoy, and I think it's very timely. And of course, we will see you Monday. The live show resumes Monday the 29th. We'll see you then. Have a good weekend, folks. God bless.
This is David Lankford, and we'd like to welcome you tonight to the Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. If there's ever been a time for the church and the world to hear an uncompromising message from God's Word, it is certainly today. We need God's Word. Other than the gift of salvation and the Holy Ghost, the greatest gift that God has given to mankind is His Word. There's nothing more richer or more powerful than the Word of God. And God has given us His Word, and He's going to judge us by His Word and nothing else. So it's imperative that the world and the child of God embrace God's Word as never before. Amen. I want to go this evening to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and verse 5. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. I want to use for a subject this evening, repent or else. I want to put a disclaimer on this message. This is for mature Christian audiences only. For mature Christian audiences only. Repent or else. I don't suppose that any of us like ultimatums, which simply means a final demand upon one's life. However, Christ Jesus will ultimately bring all men to a frontal confrontation with himself. What do I mean by that? Every man, woman, boy, and girl will all stand before God one day, and they will stand just as they are. The Spirit of Christ comes to us for the purpose of revealing to us His greatness along with His deity, and that is what turns men to Him with an awe and with a reverence. The great awakenings of the past have only come by great men of God preaching a fervent, fiery message against sin. The truth is today, we are willing to do anything but 
repent. You won't hear very many amens today when a preacher preaches against sin, real repentance that would put all of us on our faces from the top of humanity to the bottom would be awfully humiliating for this generation. Today, we have become so compromising and so compromised. We've become so sin-loving, and we've become too timing to our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus that someone had better wake up and declare war against the sins that are ravaging the church. Far too many preachers, far too many ministers are looking to be politically correct. What they have ultimately become are ministerial puppets. Too many preachers fear the people more than they fear God and his holy word. Today, I call you to record when you shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ that at that point and time, it will be too late. You will either be right with God or you will not be right with God. You will either be redeemed by his blood or he will declare, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I know you not. I'm appalled at the way men receive the word of God today. They know all the ball scores. They know all of Hollywood movie stars by name. And they can recite all of Nostradamus' predictions, yet they cannot discern the signs of the time. I don't mean to insult or demean anyone. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 3, O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. If there's ever been a time and a need for the people of God to have a discerning heart and to have a discerning mind and recognize the signs of the times, it is right now. But Jesus said to that wicked generation to whom he was preaching at that time, and what did he say? He said, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. Regretfully, we're in that same spiritual state in America right now. This nation is being ravaged by the powers of sin and of iniquity, and there are few people willing to stand and cry aloud and spare not. But today, because of political correctness, we're so careful that we don't say or we offend anyone in any capacity. I want to tell you something today. If a man preaches the pure, unadulterated word of God, somebody is going to be offended. Somebody's going to be hurt because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It will cut you when it goes in. But thank God when he pulls the sword out, it brings healing into the life of the sinner and gives him an element of redemption that he can find in nothing or anything else in this present world. Isaiah 58 verse 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. People today don't want you to show them their sins. Rather, sweep it under the rug. Ignore it. Act like it never happened. Or the parishioners will say, I'll withhold my tithes or I'll go to another church if you preach that kind of a message in this church. Will men that will compromise the message of Christ, sad to say, are nothing more than mere hirelings. They're just for hire. They're just there for a paycheck. I believe when God anoints a man of God, God will put people around him to nurture him, to strengthen him, to bless him, to help him, that he might preach with a holy boldness here in this end time hour. But rather, we've become pacifist. 
We're afraid to say anything anymore lest we fall out of political correctness. Sin has taken a grave toll on this society and this generation. Jesus said in John 8, 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Can I tell you, no man can commit sin and not be the servant of sin. Neither can no man sin and not pay the penalty for sin. That is one of the greatest deception and one of the greatest elements of duplicity that has pervaded and permeated the church and that there is no penalty for sin. Are we that deranged spiritually? Are we that lukewarm and tepid and indifferent that we no longer believe there is a penalty for sin? We preach a sloppy grace, a playboy religion mentality. We have a license to sin, preacher. We sin that grace might abound the much more. God forbid, Paul said. But it seems like sin has inundated the camp of God. Just like Achan, when you let sin get in the house of God, there's going to be harm, there's going to be damage, there's going to be detriment, there is going to be loss because sin is like a cancer. Do you know what the word cancer means? Any evil condition that spreads destructively. Then when you add the word malignancy, or malignant means tends to produce death. If we continue to allow sin to ravage the church and this nation, I promise you, my friend, we will die a hideous and horrendous death. But thank God for the power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Thank God for that old gospel song, What can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness of sin. Don't talk about sin, preacher. Don't talk about sin because that does not make us feel good. That, that bothers us where we are living in our personal standing. My friend, if you don't rid your life of sin, sin will damn you, sin will destroy you, and sin will take you to hell because that's where the wicked go. You say, well, I don't believe that. Then you don't believe the Bible, for the Bible says in Psalms 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. This nation has forgotten God. We have forgotten God. Jeremiah 2, 32 says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. People will stand in line and sleep on the sidewalks to get tickets to go to a concert. They'll stand outside a restaurant for hours to eat delicious food. But when it comes to the things of God, you no longer see people standing outside sleeping on the sidewalk to get a seat in the house of God. For the most part, the houses of God are empty today. Empty pews, empty seats. Why? Because people love this world more than they love God. 1 John 2, 15, 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but of the world. The church has become worldly, and the world has become churchy. Someone told me just the other day, they're now singing gospel songs and the country western nightclubs. They're claiming they've got salvation. 
Those are the things God saved me from. Oh, I know I'm old-fashioned. 2 Corinthians 6.14 said, Be ye not unequal together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Wherefore, come out among them, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Come out. Come out of her, Babylon. Babylon has joined the church. The devil said, I can't beat them at Pentecost, so he said, I'll just join the church and corrupt the church. And early in the church, men like Hymenaeus and Philetus in 2 Timothy 2, they begin to preach heresy, saying the resurrection is already past. Heresies in the church today, whether we believe it or not. Heresy. Sin. How do these things find a lodging place in the church? Because of sin. Sin takes preeminence in the houses of God today. Romans 6.23 says all have sinned. All have sinned. Excuse me, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin are death. That's what sin will pay you. That's your numeration. That's what you will get in pay is death. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, the soul that sinneth shall die. Christians don't die. I said Christians don't die. Their body just goes back to the earth from which it came, but the man on the inside, the spirit and the soul, they go right on living to be with God. The unregenerate, really, the unregenerated, the wicked, the vile, they don't die either. They go straight to a devil's hell because they spurned, they rejected the word of the Lord. You see, we've come to a place, we even question the validity and the veracity of God's word. But the Bible says in Numbers 32, 23, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Hath he said, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? Everything that God has written in this book is going to make it good. He's going to make it good. For he said in Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. God's word it's not going to fail, neither will it pass away. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to his spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for we shall reap in due season if we faint not. Don't you grow weary, child of God. You keep persevering. You keep pursuing Christ. Don't you become apathetic and complacent in your walk with God. You shake off the cares of this life and of this world, and you put your hand to the plow, and you look straight down the path of righteousness, and you walk it every day by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Some of you listening to me, you're watching me right now. Don't, don't turn that channel right yet. I have a special word for those of you who think you can live in sin. Oh, I know what you say. I pastored for 27 years nearly. I know how you think. I know what you say because you say, well, uh, I still pray, I still read my Bible, but I'm not where I ought to be in Christ. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters. You say you can. 
God's word says you cannot. And then there are the fornicators listening to this broadcast. And they are the adulterers. And those who are called sipping saints and you drink your whiskey, you drink your wine, you drink your martinis, you, you go to your parties and you say, but I'm still a believer in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, effeminate, the limp-wristed, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. How then do you say you can live in sin, shack up, cohabitate? Oh, I know the modern term is my partner whether it be heterosexual or it be homosexual. I've got news for you. Fornicators, idolaters, homosexuals shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And friend, God did not make you like that. That's like an adulterer saying God made me an adulterer. God didn't make man like that. That's like a single person saying God made me a fornicator. God didn't make anybody like that. Sin is what makes you like that. And for people to try to coerce me into believing that homosexuality is just an alternative lifestyle and to say God made me this way, we need to go back to the book of Genesis and see just how God made mankind. He made them male and female and said let everything produce after its own kind. If the animal kingdom did that, if the pigs became homosexuals, there'd be no bacon and pork chops for you and I to eat. If bulls did that, there would be no ribeye steaks and T-bones, chuck roast and a good old hamburger. If every rooster did that, there'd be no chicken wings and no nice breast of meat and eggs. None of these things would exist. But yet you want me to believe that God made you like that? Well, I challenge you to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 and let's see how God made his creation and how he made man and said, replenish the earth and multiply everything after its own kind. You see, God gave man a seed and God gave woman and egg. And when they come together, they have the ability to have a child. And for those who are saying that abortion is just a blob of flesh, it really has no life, he told Jeremiah, before I conceived you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were conceived in your mother's womb. I knew you. Conception begins in the mind of God, not in the womb, but in the mind of God. The infinite mind of God is where conception begins. And thus, he said, before I allowed you to be birthed out of your mother's womb, I ordained you a prophet. That shows the predestination and the election of God in men's lives. And God would not make you something that is vile and wicked and evil. It is sin. Do you hear me? It is sin, sin that destroys and damns the human race. Hear me. Repent or else. People ask me all the time, what's, what's going on, preacher? Why, why is the world becoming so nebulous, so uncertain, so ambiguous? Why is there murder? Why is there rape? Why is there divorce, assault, child molestation, 
sodomy, pedophilia, bestiality, and abortion. They are sins, and they're taking a toll on this nation. I'm going to make a profound statement right now. Some of you will embrace it. You will believe it. Others will scoff and repudiate and make a mockery of this statement, but I'm going to make it because it is the truth. Your taxation for welfare, for abortion, criminal funds are the very things that began the destruction of this economy. I want to say that again. Taxation for welfare, there are those who justly deserve it, but there are those who do not. Abortion. You can put any terminology you want on if you if you desire. It is still murder. Can you dare imagine the term partial birth abortion? Where 90% of the child is born and out of the mother's womb, and they force scissors in the back of the skull and they rupture the skull, and they suck the brains out, and then they bring the head out, and they say, that's an abortion. No, sir, that is flagrant, blatant murder, and those of you who continue to do that, you're going to have blood all over your hands. I remember years ago, God gave me a vision. As a matter of fact, I was sitting in a meeting where Henry Groover, some of you may know Henry Groover, a great, great man of God and a friend of mine. And God showed me how that the ladies would go into the abortion clinics. and They would get on the table and put their legs in the stirrups. And how they would eviscerate that womb. And take that child apart limb by limb appendage by appendage and lay it there on the table and to make sure they have all the parts. They aggregate the parts, make sure they're all there. Then they clean up the mess and they put it into a plastic bag. Then they throw that into a trash can, into another plastic bag. And, and then that bag is put in the dumpster behind the building. And then the garbage truck comes and he takes the dumpster and he dumps it into the back of the big huge garbage truck and that truck then goes to the landfill and, and they dispose of that child in the landfill. And that blood, just like Abel's blood, cries out day and night, avenge our blood. We have been murdered. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. Blood. The life is not in the flesh. The life is in the blood. Well, you can take blood from a black man, a red man, a yellow man, and infuse it into my blood and give me life. Because the scripture says the life of the flesh is in the blood. Thus he said, I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. The shedding of the blood of Emmanuel. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundations of this world. We must repent or else. As I began this message, I said, people today don't like ultimatums. But God has given the church an ultimatum here in our scripture text in Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, wherein he said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen my, how we have fallen. And repent and do the first works or else I will come quickly unto thee and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. Except. In other words, if you don't repent, I'm taking my spirit. We must repent. We must repent and become 
contrite and broken. Mark 1.15, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. In Matthew 24, Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. What is the gospel message? It's one of repentance. Let me quote it again, Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's the gospel message. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent of your sins. Luke chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus said, Nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, verse 3, Nay, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I believe that is twofold. You cannot see into spiritual things, neither can you go into the kingdom except you be born again. You see, repentance takes humility because repentance says, I'm wrong and I am guilty. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. James 4 verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift thee up. Matthew chapter 18 verse 3, Nay, except ye repent, and become as little children, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. We must become like children. And humble ourselves and repent of our sins. Romans chapter 2 verse 4, Paul said, Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The Holy Ghost right now is knocking at many, many hearts' doors right now. The Holy Ghost is knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him, and he shall sup with me. There will come a day, my friend, when you would to have God, you would have repented. As you watch this telecast, you say things like, not now, not next week, but somewhere down the road, I fully intend to repent of my sins and get right with God. Well, you've heard the old cliche, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. If God Almighty were to open up the corridors of hell and let you look over into hell, you would hear a plethora of voices saying, God, one more chance, one more time, one more altar call, one more time I could hear that verse sung, that old song, just as I am without one plea, or there is room at the cross for thee. There would be a plethora of voices saying, God, just one more time. And God, I'll love you, and God, I'll serve you, and God, I will follow you all the days of my life. But it's too late for them. But it's not too late for you. You see, as my producer begins to play that song, I feel Jesus. I feel the Spirit of God right now in this studio. I feel the Spirit of God as he right now is knocking on somebody's door and saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He wants to come into your life. You've kept him out so long. You have, you have pushed him out for so long. And I can't tell you that you'll have another opportunity to know Jesus. Tonight, today, whenever you're hearing this telecast, may be the last altar call that you ever receive. I don't know. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Some years ago, when I was pastoring in Charlotte, 
I admonished a 15-year-old girl. Her boyfriend bought a motorcycle, and I begged her. I said, please, do not get on that motorcycle with him. I beg you. Needless to say, she did. Three blocks from her home, he T-boned a car doing over 90 miles an hour and killed both of them, himself and his girlfriend. I've had to preach funerals that I knew in my heart these people did not make it. You say, preacher, how can you say that? We know by the fruit whether people are living for God. Everybody wants to preach Whitney Houston and Elvis Presley into heaven, but drunkards and drug addicts don't get in unless they've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I don't say that to be crass. I don't say that to be hard. I say that because God is a holy God and God is a righteous God and he says, be not deceived. You're not going to mock me and hear me say, well done. He'll say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I know you not. I know you Don't let that happen to you. I beg you. I beg you this day, do not let that happen to you. For he will say to many, depart, I know you not. Don't let that happen to you, but repent of your sin. Salvation is one of the easiest things that a man or woman could ever do. I want you to pray with me right now this prayer. Now the Holy Ghost is dealing with you profusely. You sense the conviction. You sense the presence of God. You, you sense that Holy Ghost presence. And that's the goodness of God leading thee to repentance. Why? The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer. I want you to pray with me right now. Father, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, I am tired of my sin. I am tired of my waywardness. I am tired of Satan having dominion authority and lordship over my life. I am tired of it, Lord. I know that I have grieved your spirit many times. I know I have been ungodly. I have been so unrighteous, Lord. But I ask you this day, forgive me of my sin. For you said in your word, if we confess our sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse me this night, Holy Ghost. Take away every stain, every spot, every wrinkle, every element of addiction in my life, whether it be cigarettes or alcohol or it is drugs, crack cocaine, whatever that it might be, take it from me, Lord, and deliver me and make me whole. I believe in my heart that you died for my sins and that your father raised you from the dead on the third day and now you sit at the right hand of the father where you ever live to make intercession for me father thank you thank you for saving me and redeeming me and washing me in your precious blood and I want to thank you now I want to thank you for the heaviness of sin that has been lifted off of my soul and my spirit and that I am free indeed because whom the Son hath set free is free indeed. Father, in the name of your Son Jesus, I petition you and I pour out my heart and I ask it in the name of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth and mercy. Amen. Friend, I pray today that you prayed that prayer with me. And I want to put a Bible in your hand if you have just accepted Christ 
and you are now a Christian, but you don't have a Bible, I want you to write me and say, Brother Lankford, I don't have a Bible, but I want a Bible to start reading that you could begin with your new walk, your new life in Jesus Christ. So if you'll write me today at The Voice of Evangelism, Post Office Box 669, Alexis, North Carolina, 28006. I'll get you a Bible. Postage paid. The Bible is free. I'll get it right back out to you. And I know it will be a blessing to you. There's no greater blessing other than our salvation and the baptism in the Holy Ghost than the word of Almighty God. So sit down. Please write me at The Voice of Evangelism. Post Office Box 669, Alexis, that's A-L-E-X-I-S, North Carolina, 28006. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to send you a free Bible. I know that it will bless you immensely. I invite you to go to our website, thevoiceofevangelism.com. We do two weekly radio broadcasts live. You can get that on Blog Talk Radio or from WWCR Radio. That's Worldwide Christian Radio. We have two live radio broadcasts live each week from 5 p.m. until 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you go to our website, you can find how to get those programs. If you can't tune in at 5 o'clock, that's all right. The programs are archived through Blog Talk Radio. We're here to preach the truth of God's Word and nothing else. Pray for us. Pray for us. And if the Holy Spirit of God would touch you and constrain you to help us, I invite you to do so. Because, my friend, all we want to do is preach an uncompromising message to the world here in the end. God is looking for pure-hearted men and women who will cry aloud and spare not and preach his word. Because, my friend, when this earth and world is crumbling profusely, the only thing that's going to stand is the word of Almighty God.